You're listening to Stand Out with Ian O'Connell. Wednesday evenings from 8pm here on Radio Kerry. You're very welcome to the show tonight. I hope I found you well on this Wednesday evening. I'm delighted to say that my guest this week on Stand Out with myself, Ian O'Connell, is John Drummy. John is a freelance broadcaster and general manager of Kerry Mental Health. Sit back and enjoy the show. All right, so John, thanks a million for, for coming on today. Delighted to be here. Thanks, Ian. Really appreciate it. Um, I suppose for all my guests, you might have heard a few of them. I always like to bring it back to, to their, I suppose, childhood. What was um, what was your childhood like? Did you grow up in Tralee or what were you into sports or what? Um, well, let's let's. I suppose we start at the very beginning, as Julie Andrew said. It's a very good place to start. I was born in Dublin, and we lived in Sutton Park in Dublin for for the first four years of my life. I, I have an older sister, Anne Marie, and um, two younger sisters. So uh, Sarah Jane was born in 1975, just before we moved to Tralee. So uh, from a Growing up perspective, you know, all my cousins and my relations, they were all in Dublin and, you know, it would have been a close family setting. Uh, Dad was very busy. He worked in Board Banya at the time, which is the Irish Dairy Board or, or NUA, I think it's called now. And mum was um, full time mother at home. And um, I went to preschool uh, very near my house and my sister went to primary school. And um I, I always remember, you know, going to, to Malahide and, and the beach in Malahide was always a, a lovely place to go. And I still have a very strong connection there. And um, my grandparents lived uh, across on the other side of Dublin in uh, Kilbacud, near, near where the Kilbacud Crokes uh, Club are. Yeah, great team. Uh, I think are they the uh, Ireland champions are. Yeah, they were playing yeah. two nights ago, actually. I seen them on TV. There you go. So near near enough to that. And then we moved down to Tralee in 1975. And um, I remember dad brought Anne-Marie and me in his car and mum brought Sarah Jane in her car and she was in her little carry cot. Of course, this is in the days when you didn't wear seat belts in the back seat and you didn't have booster seats. Yeah. And uh, we, we had quite an eventful journey. I'll never forget it because a boulder fell from the back of a truck in front of us on the way to Tralee and it was unavoidable. So dad hit that and we kind of went in off the side of the road. Now it wasn't a serious collision, but I remember saying afterwards, I think I'm eating an eggshell. As it turns out, I was eating a bit of my tooth. I'd broken a bit of my tooth and um, I I wasn't, wasn't badly hurt. Nobody was badly hurt. And uh, as it happens, a couple of dad's colleagues, uh, because he was moving down to work in Kerry group, a couple of them happened to be on the same route and they came to the assistance and and that was grand so that that was very early childhood memory at the age of four uh literally crash landing in Kerry and um, yeah we moved to Tralee anyway and I started school in Balloonic Balloonic Primary School and Miss Galvin was my teacher and um, I went into uh, Sister Ursula, God rest her, was in, in uh, high infants or senior infants. And then Sister Redempta was my teacher in first class in Balunuk. And then we moved. And then I, in, in those days, you, you went to a different school. I went to CBS then, the boys' school in Tralee. And did my primary education there, or at least I went to school, whether whether I studied or not is another story. And you'll probably see that's a common theme. Uh, maybe <laughs> what would have been your favourite subject in, in school? 
It it begins with N. It's called none. 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 I had no. No, I. I wasn't very good at maths. I wasn't very good at Irish. Well, able to chat, give to the gab, as as you can probably hear, and as people know. Um, just uh, I just had no interest in school. Really, um, I enjoyed the crack. I was the smallest in my class. I, I think I remember speaking to Joe McGill about this. I was bullied quite a bit due to my height and being the smallest. But really, as they say, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and more resilient. So, um, I, I and, and and I was no angel either. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll say that as well. Um, but no, growing up, it, it, I grew up in Ordinary and. Um, I'd say in ordinarily there would have been oh there could have been up to fifty children from all the families on the road. So you know when I look at where we live now and our children, there aren't any children on the road really where where my children are growing up now. And it's it's just I suppose the circle of life that in ordinarily at that time there were lots of young families. And we played soccer on the road. We played tip the can, and we played um, uh, breakaway and uh, rounders and the arguments. Go on. You can't beat a game of tip the can. You can't, and the rows and the arguments, and uh, even you know, then like our back garden was was the the epicenter for every sport that was on TV. So if it was. If it was the Dublin Horse Show, well, then we had the Dublin Horse Show in our back garden. We'd make jumps out of it. And uh, I would have been maybe the eldest out of our group of friends. So because I was the eldest, I got to be Eddie Mackin, who was the best show jumper at the time. And uh, my best friend, Martin, who was next down, he, he would have been Paul Dara, who would have been the second best show jumper at the time. <laughs> he just picked the dregs of everybody else. Um, so we would great crack doing that. And we had Olympics in the garden and we'd we'd have the World Cup and... Um, uh, Wimbledon, we'd play tennis on the road, and then you'd have the rows over whether the ball was under the the rope or over the rope, and that was in. No, it was out, and uh, you know, just typical childhood crack and friendships and feuds and fights and making up again. It was just ah, all no different to, to many others, I'd say. As um, as after secondary school and stuff as well. You, did you you got a degree in journalism in DCU, I think, did you? I did, but that, that wasn't actually till much later, Ian, because when I did the leaving, first of all, I repeated the leaving. Um, it, it, it's a funny story. I, I actually went to the SEM for, for two days after the intercert, as it was, or the junior cert, as it is now. So the class that I got into in the green um, wasn't doing Honours Irish, and I wanted to do Honours Irish. No be careful what you wish for because I ended up failing honours Irish the first time around in my leaving anyway. So I said and 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 the option was there, thankfully, that I could if I wanted to go to the to the SEM because it might make me study, it might make me focus. So I went I went to the SEM on a Sunday. Poor mum was heartbroken. Um the three sisters I'd say were delighted to see the back of me. Dad was obviously putting on a, a brave face. So I went to the SEM on the, on the Sunday and I went into class and all the classes on the Monday. So I was quite homesick anyway. And um, I wasn't too impressed with what was going on. Um, Did you travel over and back every day on the bus? No, I, I went full full blast. I went in as a boarder. So it, it was uh, like ripping off a plaster. It was straight into it. Uh, wasn't too happy with the with the way things were being done from my perspective on the Monday. And then on the Tuesday, it was similar. And with one class left, I said, to hell with this for a game of marbles. I got out 
I, got, I just got up and I walked to Farron 4. I left everything behind me and I walked to Farron 4. And um, I mean, I was, I, it's, it's a bit like Forrest Gump and he started the run and he just kept on running. So I got to Farron 4 and I went into a phone box and I didn't turn into Superman. I, I reversed the charges and I um, heard the operator saying, would you accept a reverse charge call from John? And mum was there, said, yeah, yeah, yes. Hello, love, how are you? And then I come on the phone. I'm in Farron 4. <laughs> falling my eyes out. So she said, hang on a second. Apparently dad was in the car before the phone was down. And um, in fairness, he came out to Farron 4, opened the door. I went in and the arm around me and I was back in the green two days later. So <laughs> You were so, over um, and back like a boomerang. So. Yeah, so that was that story. And then I, then I did the leaving and uh, then repeated the leaving. I repeated four subjects in the leaving. It was the last year that you could combine your subjects. And I got my leaving cert results in um, before going to the Simple Minds concert in the RDS. Uh, it was a year of teacher strikes, so the results were late. What has changed? And um, I got the results, did okay. And I, I didn't want to go to college. I just didn't want to study. I didn't want to do any more anything to do with learning ever again really that was just my my philosophy my attitude it was just different. My own heart, so. it was just you know you have to be interested but now i'm a father i realize the importance of it so look you, you learn as you go so i got into well the rtc as it was mtu now and um i did mechtronics now don't ask me why. I think it was probably because it was the easiest course to get into points-wise, and I don't mean to be disrespectful to anyone who has done it, but it just was the, the one that I could get into. I could live at home. I could get a grant, and um, but you know that was fine. Realized after a month that this wasn't for me. I wanted to do computers, so I thought, so I got into a course in Bray in County Wicklow. Uh, that that first to, to Dad again, he forked out for it, and that went horribly wrong it just didn't work out either and then i ended up doing a start your own business course with foss and i'm forever grateful to paul dolan for identifying that that wasn't for me but there was op an opening perhaps in radio Kerry for foss to pay the remainder of my time with them while doing a work placement in radio Kerry, which was only not even a year old at that stage in 1991 and that's how i ended up in radio Kerry. and it wasn't until 1996 when i realized you know because I always wanted to be a commentator and I, I've spoken about this before on Radio Kerry and I thought the best way to do this would be go and do a degree in journalism so I made a decision to quit my full-time job in Radio Kerry and go to DCU did the interview I didn't tell anyone I was doing the interview I didn't even tell my parents so I did the interview was accepted then told them they were delighted anything you know to further my education or to start my education as it probably was and um i went off and did that and i haven't looked back really and it's um it's a great experience and again while i didn't like study and i know there's a lot of people who might listen to this and they might have children at home and they're struggling with studying and wanting them to do it they'll get there in the end um and yeah. I know I put a bit of pressure on my own eldest, especially because uh, she's got junior cert this year. I, I have to kind of step out of that bubble for a second and say, look, she she will be fine, but you still need to do a bit. <laughs> exactly. And I think that school is either for you or it's not like, and I, I would have been the exact same. Yeah. I 
absolutely hated the learning and work side of it and and stuff. You you mentioned there that you were in Radio Kerry for for a while. You um you Fiona was telling me that you had a a late night music show and you worked a bit in ad production as well, did you? Yeah, I I worked a bit in production. There is no such thing as working a bit in production, as Alan Finn will will confirm. Um, production continues long after the people who get the ads for the production are gone home, uh, because it's it is a very important but very difficult job to do. It wouldn't and run without them, really. The the stations or wouldn't well listen it's it's down to the quality uh because people have a very short attention span so you want if if you've got two and a half minutes of advertising space per quarter hour and you don't want somebody to switch over to another channel for starters and you want to tell your advertisers that people are listening to radio carry and you want them to be able to go in and buy the product or, or get the service that's been advertised because they heard it on radio carry so while you, you can have somebody selling the airspace, it's really down to the script and the creativity and um, the voice and, and all of those variables coming together just right. And I used to do that with John Slattery. I learned an awful lot from John, who, who's um, his own production company now on television. And you might see him on television with his with with his wife and and three beautiful daughters called Are We There Yet? Um, it was on Virgin Media recently. Uh, fantastic holiday program, and I learned so much from John. But we won we won radio advertising awards for our script writing and for our production, and and that's good for the radio station. But it takes a lot of time. And then when you're doing a nighttime radio program on top of that, so the day would have been I could have been in at eleven o'clock in the morning working on production until the ads were done, um, especially ones that had to go out maybe the next morning, so they needed to be scheduled. And this was all done on reel-to-reel and on cart, so it was way more cumbersome and time-consuming than it is now, not to say that it isn't time-consuming now. And then I needed to then take a break. Then I had to completely change my focus to presenting a three-hour music program, which wasn't playlisted. So I, I would pick out my own music. I'd go into the music library and because it was a nighttime music program for mainly younger people, so at least it was fairly easy to get the idea of what to play. Um, and I might walk down to studio with 40 CDs or big CD, loads of CDs on top of a few maybe album uh, LP records uh, down to studio. I might play maybe 40 songs in the night. There was an hour of love songs. in the, Yeah, uh, an hour of love songs in the middle of it. Loads of requests. Um you know, and um, we had Is the there, Dear John um, letter. You mentioned love songs there. Did um, I read up somewhere, did listeners send in Dear John letters? They did, the Dear John. We, we re- revived it during COVID. Uh, I was covering Friday evenings and Saturday mornings during COVID. And <laughs> I had found I had found a bundle of Dear John letters. And it was just enough to go through maybe 14 weeks of the period that I was on the Friday evenings. And uh, people would just write in. Now, I'm sure half of them weren't true. Um, love, you know, I love this guy or I love this girl or I met her at the disco or there's a girl in my class or there's a boy in my class. Typical teenage young love type stuff. 
Um, I'm sure some were were quite funny in 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 that they were slagging each other off as well. Um, there is a famous one where I absolutely cracked up laughing reading it. I said, "I'll try this live," and I found that letter. I have that letter at home. I don't have the recording of me cracking up reading it, unfortunately, because it's actually quite funny. But um, I found the letter. We were cleaning up mum and dad's attic. They were doing doing a, a big tidy up job at the start of uh, was it the start? It was started this year. And I, I'd say I, I, the amount of Dear John letters that I found in the attic, I could do, I'd say, two two years of programs on okay. the content of what I have. So maybe there's an opening there for a sponsor. Who knows? Um, it, it would be worth doing, I think. Uh, but that's that's another conversation with Fiona, maybe. Uh, there are so many there. And the, the fact that people used to take the time. And, and then you here we are in 2022. And people are sending three-word text messages and everything is done on TikTok. And people are, I can understand, you know, like my sister sends messages by voice on WhatsApp. And you go, will you just text me? Will you just send me something that I can read? I don't have time to listen to these things. <laughs> it just shows you how, how times have changed. And it would be very interesting to invite people to write in their Dear John letters now. I, I just don't know, would it work now? Um, probably wouldn't like that it used to uh, they, they picked 10 of their favorite love songs and I would have picked two of them then to play after reading out their letter and um, it's 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 a piece of Kerry lore in a way and it, it, from what, what I have on file I could do it again um, based on those and it would be a trip down memory lane without question and, um, and then on air till one o'clock and the station used to close down at one o'clock and I used to play the Lonesome Boatman, which was um, by the Furies and Davy Arthur. That was the original closing down tune from my predecessor, Pat McDonald, who was the first nighttime presenter to whom Crazy I owe an awful lot. Yeah. And I owe Pat an awful lot for, for helping me get into Radio Kerry. It's crazy how um, things have, have changed. Like you were saying, you wanted to be kind of a, a commentator and stuff. Was there... You 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 kind of dipped into different areas and um different roles in Radio Kerry. What was, I suppose, the most enjoyable behind the scenes that you liked out of all of them? I'm trying to think. Oh, that's a, a tricky one because there've been so many different occasions and moments. Because when I when I came back to Radio Kerry in 2005, it was in a news capacity, I had worked as a news editor and I'd worked in INN in Dublin really? uh, from 97 to 2001. And then I was news editor in Carlo Kildare Radio, as it was, CKRFM, uh, based in Carlo. And then Things I went were to... were probably more modern then as well, John, were they, when you came back? They were. Oh, oh yeah. And no, I had been working through the, that transition in, in technology anyway, through my time in INN and in CKR and in Clare FM. And then back to, to Radio Kerry in, in news. And then I, I started presenting. It, it, it was a no, the, the half one to half two slot that Deirdre does, or it's up to half three now. Uh, that was a slot that, that was there when I was previously in Radio Kerry. Fiona McCarthy used to present it. And then um, it was revived when I came back. And I started presenting it then, I think it was in, in early uh, 2006. And um, from half one to half two, straight talking, we called it. And I, there, it, that was an interesting program to do. Um, I managed to get my commentaries. Uh, I did my first two commentaries on Munster in the Heineken Cup final against Beer Ritz in 2006 and 
against Toulouse in 2008. So I have a 100% success rate for Munster in Heineken Cup finals because they won both of them. The first one, I'd make Galway beside me. You know, Boy. to have we, we were the envy of every commentary team that was in the Millennium Stadium because Munster won, having lost two finals previously and Mick Galway was there and everyone was straight to Mick for interview for reaction afterwards and so it was Radio Kerry they were coming to that was that was fantastic um, and again in 2008 um, in, in in terms of all the things I did I think maybe the, one of the most memorable experiences was when the Eurovision was in Mill Street oh, and yeah. uh, all the delegations all the singers all their party they stayed in Killarney what so, year was that, John? That was in 1993. Uh, 93. So I was sent to Killarney for the week. I stayed in the B&B on New Street. And I, by day, I went out and about and I followed all the different delegations. I got to meet Terry Wogan, God rest him. And I, you know, uh, Pat Kenny and Gay Byrne as well, God rest him. And all all the singers and, and Sonia, who came second, and Neve Kavanagh, who won it. And Got to meet all of them in the build-up. I went to uh, a late-night party in the Glen Eagle. Um, it was a Euro club. Jer, Big Jer Sullivan had the karaoke going, and you had all the backing singers from Eurovision. They were the singers on the karaoke. Oh, my God, the talent was just phenomenal. Really? And I uh, met Johnny Logan, um, you know, Eurovision winner extraordinaire. And that, that was great. So I got to interview all these people during the day. Then I had to do the nighttime program, but I had to edit all those interviews while I was on air at night so that there would be a package to go out on Kerry today the next morning at nine Jeez, o'clock. At, at the same time being on air. So while I'm playing a song, I had a reel-to-reel behind me. So I'm listening to that on one headphone. I've got the, the speakers on. So I'm trying to edit. And this is all tape where you had to cut it and stick it together and make sure that there it was seamless and that there were no jumps or or that you, one of the most dangerous things was putting the tape back to front so that in the middle of an interview you didn't suddenly hear yes 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 yep speaking backwards <laughs> so um that that was uh, yeah <laughs> that was a great experience a really really good experience then general elections are always so exciting covering them uh, when Bertie O'Hearn resigned as Taoiseach um, when the the seven seven bombings was such a oh my goodness that was such an, a, a tragic event in London the day after the euphoria of London being announced as the the host city for the twenty twelve Olympics and then the next day you had the bombings and I had a sister living in London at the time or two of them living in London um, at the time. And they came on air, and as as did many other Kerry people living living in London. It was just, just the 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 rush of of that that news and trying to keep things going and being first with something or having something different to somebody else. That that's just always a great buzz. John has a very interesting story, and if you've missed the start of the interview, you can get it straight after the show on the Radio Kerry website, or you can get it on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Stand Out with Dean O'Connell. You started up your own PR, John Drummy Communications. You've worked with the likes of the Rosa Tralee, Kerry Airport, the Matter Private and stuff. Do you want to give the listeners an insight into what exactly you do? Yeah, in 2008, um, <laughs> I, I often get emotional. Ted Keane, who, who was a former colleague in Radio Kerry and a very good friend, Ted passed away in 
in January of 2008. And Ted had been the um, communications manager with the, with the Rose of Tralee at the time. Um, and I'd been filling in for him on some of his MC duties while he was on well. And then he passed away in January of 2008. And then Anthony O'Gara asked me, would I be interested in in doing that job? Um, so I, I thought about it, but I, I wouldn't have been able to to survive on just that job. I, I, I needed to have something else. And there would have been a conflict of interest in doing that job and working in Radio Kerry because it just would have been a conflict of interest. So I just tried to find a few other potential PR clients and succeeded in that and was able to to move from one to the other without it affecting uh, my income. And um, that that was really how that started, John Drummond Communications. I, um, I'm always grateful to, to Kevin Finn in 24-7 cabs at the time and um, Paul and Terry and Jim and, and Joe. Um, you know, they, they took me on the, the day I left Radio Kerry, I got the call asking me would I do PR for them and very happy to do it and very grateful. And and then I started to just build a, a portfolio of clients, uh, different, you know, from, from the legal sector. I work now um, on, on a freelance basis with with uh, Matter Private Network in Cork and I've uh, worked at Bolivar Day Centre for older persons uh, in uh, in Tralee and Kirby's Brogan over the years who would be very close friends of mine as well. And um, I've enjoyed working with them since they reopened in 2014. Um, you've got uh, Kerry Airport, uh, has been has been a, a long serving client of mine, and um, you know it's 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 good to to have somebody who has worked in news do your PR because you know how busy it is in a newsroom. You know what a journalist really wants, so you try you give them what they want. Obviously, you're you're giving it from your perspective as opposed to necessarily from a from a warts and all perspective. It's up to the journalist to ask the questions to get what the journalist wants, but at least by writing a press release or, or delivering something that makes the journalist's life that little bit easier and makes it more likely for it to get the airtime and the 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 column inches or the the airtime or whatever it might be or the, the, the video space or the social media um, hits, then that's good. And that, that means they are spending their money wisely on hiring somebody like me to do that. And uh, it's great to meet different people from different nationalities, like the Rose of Tralee was always a great buzz during the week of the Rose of Tralee, or the, the, maybe the week, the, the weeks leading up to it. And um, Do you know the more clients that you got, John, to say the names like the Rose of Tralee and the, the Matt Riving Cork, when other companies heard you were working with them, other kind of big names, did they take you on more quickly? They would to a point, but then I'd have to be mindful of conflicts of interest and I'd need to also be mindful of not taking on more than I could manage yeah. time-wise uh, because it, effectively, you know, I'm a sole trader or in, in that capacity and work for myself and didn't have the expense or didn't want the expense of having to hire somebody to um, that, that would be... I would be responsible for and who would be dependent on me then. And yeah. uh, so you're just mindful of that. So like I had worked with the Bon Secours in Tralee first. And and then when that contract ended, I then was able to work for Matter Private in Cork and now doing a bit of work for them in Dublin um, on the back of what I've done for them in Cork, which is maybe an indication that 
thankfully. You're only as good as your last job, but so far so good. But then, then the pandemic came and like so many other people, the work stopped because it just did. Uh, went on the, the PUP and then thankfully Radio Kerry the night in shining armor came came back to the rescue i was able to work on a, on a project with the broadcasting authority funding um on covid related programming which was very um it was very fulfilling and uh it was it was very moving a lot of this the stories that that i heard and uh, the people i spoke to from their different perspectives of how covid had affected them and but during that time, because that was a that was a kind of a short term contract, um, there was no sport, so I couldn't do do the sport obviously on Radio Kerry at the time, and delighted to be back doing that now. Uh, so I had to look at other options, and I, I I reached out to Fred McDonough in Red Chair Recruitment, and I said, "Look, Fred, you know me. If there's anything you think that I might be suitable for, or that might be suitable for me for a job, let me know." And that's how Kerry Mental Health Association came about. And um, I, I was called for an interview. I made a presentation at the interview and on a strategy, a proposal, you know, um, about the organization. And uh, it, it seemed to work because I'm nearly two years in the job now as their general manager. And um, that's that's a it's an amazing charity. It's an approved housing body. It's uh, it's it's there to support people with mental health challenges and their families and their carers and um, the housing is for people with enduring mental health challenges and mental illness that um, they now have a place to live and have an independent living experience uh, with some support from the HSE obviously and their social workers and their um, and their their nurses and um, as general manager John I was going to touch on it are you kind of What's actually involved as the general manager? Do you kind of foresee over most of the the kind of running of the company, or how does it work? Yeah, well, it is it is a company limited by guarantee, so I, I answer to a board of directors who are volunteer directors. It's a not for profit company. Yeah. So they they double up as directors of the company, but they're also trustees as the of the charity, and I'm company secretary as as general man, as well as general manager. So they have policies. My job is to to try and implement those policies, and the ultimate policy is to um, to support and um, find ways to help people with mental health challenges and and their families and friends through fundraising, through education, through um, housing, and um, we also might support other like minded organisations um, as well in in that regard. So we we would have four staff plus myself, uh, part-time, one full-time um, um, along with me, and then three part-time. And uh, so obviously you have the, the day-to-day HR issues that go with that, uh, something that, that I wouldn't have had much experience in. So I'm learning as, as I go in that regard. And um, we we have our, you know, we in, in Kerry Mental Health Association in our offices in Killarney, we've, we've meeting rooms through the, the support of South Kerry Partnership over the years. We've turned what was an old cardboard box making factory into a hub uh, where we have meeting rooms for community groups come in, um, musical society at a very low cost. It's a community venture. Uh, we've the Men's Shed, Killarney Men's Shed is on site. Uh, the Order of Malta are there too. Uh, the Killarney Classic and Vintage Rally Group are there. And um, 
it's 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 a great place. Our Ross Cafe is open Monday to Friday from nine, from about nine o'clock each morning, and people who are maybe clients in the mental health services or just just ordinary Joe blogs, they can come have a coffee, have their lunch. Uh, it's great value for money, and I always kind of bring it back to the five ways to well-being, which are connect be active, take notice, keep learning and give. And Kerry Mental Health Association does all of those in some way at some time. The connecting happens at the cafe or in the men's shed or um, even when we, we run an, a, an event, a mental health first aid, first aid training event or uh, being active by um, you know, just the, the, the whole act of getting out and, and moving and giving you know giving our time and giving our energy is you know is, is is so important and so many people benefit from that it's something that i suppose we've kind of talked about uh enough mental health it's such a there's a stigma around it did you find over the lockdown that people were seeking help more with say you know during covid because i know a lot of people i've talked to and they said that the, the lockdown had an effect on their mental health. Did you see an increase in people reaching out during COVID? Yeah, you see, the, the way it happens is people wouldn't necessarily reach out to us. They, they would reach out to the mental health services and we would help the mental health services. So let's say you have a day centre and um, people who are, who are clients of the mental health services who might be living in, in hostels or, or who might be living in, in their own homes, um, who might go for their treatment or just for, for interaction and medication, um, they, they, these, these centres struggle to provide activities because the funding isn't there. So let's say in Tralee, in the, the day centre in Tralee in Killarden, we had a meeting there yesterday and there's a music therapist. He comes in once a week and it's, it's Kerry Mental Health Association's fundraising or national lottery funding that we would have got on behalf of, of the day centre. That's what funds that person providing an hour of music therapy to, it could be five, it could be 10 people, and the difference that that makes to them. But the peace of mind that the staff in the day centre have, that they don't have to go up the channels in the HSC, which is a bureaucratic nightmare, to get the money to pay 80 euro for a one-hour session. At least they know they can come to Kerry Mental Health Association and we will happily provide, through our fundraising, the money for that. Um, it could be as simple as, uh, like th th there are some instances, there was a, a family that they had awful trouble with uh, with a septic tank and um, th there were... There was a sadly a, a bereavement in the family due to mental illness, and there were other mental health challenges there, and and the hassle that that septic tank was causing on top of the existing mental health challenges. We were delighted to be able to to get on to to Liam Brosnan and say, Liam, we'll cover the cost of you clearing that septic tank and unblocking the drains, and that's just the pressure off somebody or yeah. to pay a bill in the pharmacy. You know, somebody might have a, an outstanding bill. You know, in, in one case, it was maybe about 50 to 60 euro, which to, no, that's a lot of money right now. But, but up until recently, you think, okay, that's only 50, 60 euro, but that 50 or 60 euro was there this week. It was still there next week. It was there another week. So we paid it and that's a pressure gone off that person. And we're delighted to do that. And there's volunteers that raise that money. And, you know, we've nine branches around the county. 
in Tralee, Castle Island, Kilorglin, Kenmare, Killarney, uh, Evera, which covers the Carsavine and uh, Waterville areas. We've got uh, North Kerry, which takes in the Stole Valley Bunyan, um, East Kerry, Rathmore area. And I always forget one, um, um, Dingle in the Corkagwina area as well. So we've volunteers all over the county. But one thing we'll find is that that due to bureaucracy, there is a charities regulator and due to the sins of other charities, um, new rules and regulations and governance have come in and the amount of paperwork and dotting of I's and crossing of T's is actually impeding the development of charities and people don't want to get involved and give their time because what they want to do is being hampered by what they're being asked to do by the charities regulator in terms of governance. And um, they don't have time to be doing that. And that's something that, and, and the government, and I've said this at a, at a meeting recently, the charities regulator has a serious image problem in how they're getting the message across. And we'd be calling on the charities regulator to, to look at their messaging and to consider that in rural Ireland, um, you know, where population is declining, uh, you know, charities are, are, are going to suffer as a result of of maybe a heavy-handed approach towards governance. Absolutely. Um, coming into more nearer times now, um, the coming up now in just two, about two or three weeks, and um, in October 8th to the 15th, I believe, it's um, mental health and kind of well-being awareness. Um, what exactly will will be going on throughout the county and around Ireland, I suppose, during this week? Yeah, the, the Kerry Mental Health and Wellbeing Fest is uh, in its fifth year this year. And it's a coming together of like-minded organisations. So we, we have a steering committee and uh, it's chaired by Donna Hennebury, who's the Suicide Prevention Officer for Kerry with the HSE. And we would have people from NEWKD, South Kerry Partnership, um, MTU, um, Kerry Sports and Recreation Partnership, the Volunteer Centre, uh, KDYS, um, and and um, many other organisations, and I, I, I hope I'm not leaving anyone out, and apologies if I do. Kerry County Council, of course, and Healthy Kerry are in there as well, and we get funding from them. So what we do is we, we provide a platform for people to organise an event for free, and the aim of each event would be to either give information about mental well-being or to do something that will improve your mental well-being and your mental health. So it could be from going for a walk in the woods. It could be um, yoga on the beach. It could be an information webinar or seminar on the menopause, um, on men's health. It could be um, an aerobics class, uh, Kerry Mental Health Association. What we're doing as part of it is um, we're running a mental health first aid course. We have four places left as at the time I speak to you Ian um, and they can go to our social media Facebook page to get the link to sign up for that that'll be running from the 11th to the 14th of October from half nine to half 12 in Killarney um, mental health first aid is a is a fantastic tool that we're trying to fundraise to roll out across the county for free um, so it's there's a new website for the Kerry Mental Health and Wellbeing Fest. It's exactly that, kerrymentalhealthandwellbeingfest.com. It's a long one. 
Um, but it's worth typing it in because when you go to the website, then you'll see you'll see all the events that you can either register for or show up for on on a given day and a given time. And it's 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 just it's a great opportunity again to put out the five ways to well-being and that that whole connecting and being active and taking notice and learning something new or or giving your time or giving a bit of energy um, in the interest of promoting mental well-being and and this year's message is is to get across that my mental health matters whether whether I'm talking to you Ian uh, on on this this interview or whether I'm going to the list old races or whether I'm going home or, or going to work my mental health matters no matter what i do uh, we we've you know you see keith duffy did a little video message from boyzone and he said whether he's on on the road on tour or whether he's in the supermarket his mental health matters he's an ordinary person just like you just like me you did a video for us you said you know able-bodied or disabled your mental health matters and i'm sure you have your mental health challenges in your life absolutely and i think it's only natural that that everybody everybody does have their their um their own mental health challenges like they can put on a front smiley face but everybody's kind of fighting their own fight inside their head so hopefully that that week and the the festival all go down well and people can look it up online and website you just said john and um that's it for 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 the show um thanks a million for coming on and i i, I learned a good bit about mental health there in general and i hope the, the listeners picked up a, a few tools as well what they can do so thanks a million and it's a, a pleasure to chat to you Ian and um, congratulations on your nomination as well um, I, I've been that soldier uh, unfortunately I haven't brought home a gold medal yet so hopefully you'll you'll uh, uh, you'll get that gold medal at the Imros fingers crossed John thanks so much thank you now unfortunately that's all we have time for tonight I hope you all enjoyed the show and I appreciate you tuning in as always. A massive thanks to John Drummy for coming on today and talking about his own story and what, I suppose, a lot about mental health and what he does as general manager in Kerry Mental Health. We talked about up the upcoming mental health and wellness week coming up from the 8th to the 15th of October, I believe. So um, thanks a million to John for coming on and I hope you all took something from from that interview because John made a few very important points and I definitely learned something. Um, stay tuned into Radio Kerry because Brian Priestley is up next with That's Jazz. If you have any questions or suggestions for next week's show, you can contact me through my Instagram, enoconnell321, or through my email address, ioconnell at radiokerry.ie. I'll be back at the same time next week from 8 to 9pm. Until then, stay safe and mind yourself. You're listening to Stand Out with Eno Connell. Wednesday evenings from 8pm here on Radio Kerry.